Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Luke chapter four, starting at verse 16, as I preach the concluding message, the series that we've been doing for a couple months now called Vision. Are you all there in the book of Luke, chapter 4, and verse 16? He went to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath, he went into his synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began saying to them, Today, This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Would you say that with me? Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Quote, isn't this Joseph's son? End quote, they asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what you, we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there are many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. And they got up and drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Final verse, verse 30, please. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Father, thank you. Move in power. Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Before I continue this morning, uh, all of our camps, children's camp for the summer and our youth camp for the summer are all ready for you to begin to register and uh, they will get to the full point. So you want to go ahead and do that. There is early registration. Go to the website, kcalaska.com and plug in for that. Uh, the children's camp, we have James Reynolds, who is Minister James Reynolds, who is one of the greatest children's ministers on the planet. Not only that, he's an amazing worship leader, and he's going to be with us for the summer, actually. He's coming uh, for, I think, a couple months, but he's going to be our, our guest speaker uh, for that. And then uh, Pastor Jacob Barrientos and his wife, Leah, are going to be here for the youth camp. Now, you say, well, I don't know who that is. They started a church in, is it Hilo? No. They started a church on the Big Island. You're wrong, Pastor Karen. I'm right. 
Amen. It's the one time. Thank you. You guys went there. So you went to Kona. How was that, how was that church? Tell us. It was amazing. Um, they brought the word. He was teaching on um, the prophetic and just grabbed people out of the crowd, took them on stage. Yeah. You, they got their lives touched in Kona. We have, I think we have a church in Hilo also, but in Kona, it's grown now. I think it's only a year and a half old. There's over five to 600 people who are part of the church, and they're having a move of God. So I called him. I said, dude, it's time for you to come up to the promised land and preach. And so he said, amen. And so he's coming up, and we'll have some revival meetings with him while he's up there also doing the, the youth. It's going to be great. Where are we? Let's, let's do it. You guys ready? All right, so just a brief uh, advertisement. Go to KC Alaska for that and all your spiritual needs and resources. Been preaching on vision. Without vision, my people perish. We talked about how to get vision, what vision is. We talked about hope vision and, and literal vision, like a literal vision like Paul had or the Macedonian man or a hope vision is a desire in your heart. Everyone can have vision. Say everyone can have vision. All right, and everyone needs vision. Not only spiritual vision, but of course, eyesight as well. This text is profound, and it is the concluding message to the series on vision. You say, why are we concluding with this text? Because secular humanists have vision as well. Tony Robbins preaches on vision. Yeah, I said his name. And there are many others that talk about vision, but it's separate from the kingdom of God. It's separate from the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ being the Lord of Lords and the King, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And the book of John, 1 John, talks about how any spirit that comes that does not acknowledge Jesus and has come in the flesh is not of God. And so one of the acid tests for discernment about miracles, signs, and wonders, it doesn't matter if the lady walked across hot coals and her nylons didn't burn up, if it doesn't give if it doesn't give glory to God, it's not the Lord. So when you see signs, wonders, miracles, levitation, money, breakthrough, all kinds of stuff, and it does not acknowledge and give glory to God, it is plain and simple demonic. He said, well, why would, why, no, if it's good, I mean, they had cancer, now they don't have it, and I saw this guy, and he pulled this ball, yeah. The devil comes as an angel of light, why? To deceive even the elect. So anyone that does not acknowledge, you get a prophetic word from somebody and they don't acknowledge that it's come from Jesus and give glory to God, you better watch out. So I thought I would close with giving you a clear picture of who Jesus is. Because you can have a vision for your business, a vision for your family, you can have a vision for the church, you can have a vision for your ministry, and if Jesus isn't, if Jesus isn't the center of it, then you're an idol worshiper. Raise your hands and say, woo, good to be in Kings on Sunday morning. There's still five minutes left on Sunday morning. Jesus visits Nazareth. So we're going to see receiving a vision of Jesus, receiving a clear vision of who Jesus is in the gospels here. He visits Nazareth and they're, they're bent out of shape because they're offended. They, they get offended like, wow, isn't this... Isn't that, that's Joe's boy, isn't it? Is that, is that Jesus? That, that's, that, 
Aren't these his brothers and sisters? You can see these throughout scripture, the visits to Nazareth. I think this is a unique time here. There's some other stories in Mark and and then the gospels, but they're offended. And it says that that Jesus couldn't do many miracles there. He, he He didn't do any miracles hardly because they were offended at him. They spoke well of him, verse 22, amazed at the gracious words. Then they say, verse, verse 22, isn't this Joseph? Isn't this his son, they asked? And so God really, Jesus really, and Jesus is God. We'll prove that here in just a little bit. He, get, he gets angry and, and they miss out. They reject the town's reaction to the kingdom of God was one of rejection. And I will tell you that in your life, you can either reject Jesus or you can receive him. You say, well, I'm here in church. I mean, some people come to church and like want God to give them a hand clap or something. I'm glad you're here, but going to church doesn't have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life any more than standing in your garage makes you a car. And you could have a monkey and have him put on a suit. That doesn't make him part of the human race either. You can go to church until you look like a pew, and that doesn't even sound good. No, you must be born again. You must be saved. You must be redeemed. And so they were offended. I had plenty of opportunity to get offended this week. Raise your hand if you had an opportunity to get offended. If you didn't, you're during this message, you will have an opportunity. <laughs> the town's reaction is they rejected him and tried to kill him. I mean, they tried to throw him off the cliff, which is amazing. I love how Jesus just walked right through the midst of them. I mean, it's such a simple verse. Come on, if you're trying to take somebody and harm them. You know where they are. He's right there. And then where'd he go? I don't know. It's hard to catch God. He walks through the midst of them. He says he could not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. The basis for them rejecting Jesus. Do you know what the basis is? You know what the basis is? They didn't know who he was. They didn't have a vision of who Jesus really was because if they had known he was God in the flesh, they would not have acted that way, but they did not know they were blind. In 2 Corinthians, and you can turn there with me, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, let me read it. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You, you might have turned blue trying to get your family saved. You can tell them a hundred ways to Sunday of how to receive Jesus and how your life's been transformed, and I hope and pray you do. But understand this, understand this, that if they don't receive Jesus, it's only because they're blind. They can't see. They're blind. Why? Why are they blind? Because the God of this age has blinded them. So it's a powerful thing to learn spiritual warfare, which we'll be teaching you on in the intensive that's just around the corner. It's a powerful thing to learn to take authority over demon power that's blinding your relatives, blinding your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, to take authority over them to lift the scales. Some of you are here perhaps for other reasons. The scales haven't been lifted off of your eyes. Oh, I was dragged to church. And I didn't, I didn't see clearly. I would hear the Bible read and it would like, it just sounded like mumbo jumbo. You know, I'm not sure what the proper definition of that, but it made no sense. It was like another, another language. But then because of God's mercy and grace, I gave my life to Christ. He gave me the glorious gift of repentance and I received him as my Lord and Savior. I will never forget walking around, driving around, all that whole next week and really ever since then, 
Everything's a cross. I see it everywhere. People have crosses on their necks. Telephone poles make crosses. I see crosses in doors. The scales were lifted from my eyes and I could see, but before that I was blind. You must have a vision of who Jesus really is. 2 Corinthians 3 and 14. But their minds were dull for this day. The same veil remains over the old covenant when it is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. The enemy tries to blind you, tries to blind your neighbor, tries to blind all of us. 1 John 2, 11, but if anyone who hates his brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness, they do not know that where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Wow. So blindness is a spiritual problem. It's a, it, it's a physical problem, of course, but it's also a spiritual problem. And I will tell you that many people are blind, maybe even in this room. Ooh. All right. In Mark 8, it's fascinating. Mark 8 is a story about Jesus coming to this place, and there's this man who's blind, and he, he prays for him, and he receives his sight, but he doesn't get all his sight. He sees men walking around like trees. Now, if you're blind, totally blind, blind as a bat, and you begin to see people walking around like trees, that's pretty exciting because you couldn't see anything before that. Now, but how many of you know people walking around like trees is not an accurate picture of what men look like? Okay, you might get, maybe you disagree with me, but, or you're not gonna say anything. Say, oh me or oh my. So he couldn't clearly see, but he could see better. You know, some people, they come into the church, they live, give their lives to Christ, or maybe they never come to church or they're led to the Lord out there, but they never really grow in their discipleship, never really come to understand who Jesus really is. There's people this morning nursing hangovers in their house, driving the porcelain bus because they never got discipled. It is not enough. It's certainly enough to make it to heaven by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you must be discipled to have a clear picture of who he is and that you would walk in the vision of that God has for you. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? And so Jesus prays a second time and he gets miraculous healing. Wow. So God wants to give you a vision of who Jesus is this morning. And I'm going to just give you some character qualities and different things that he did to unwrap, to download, to reveal to you who Jesus was, is. I should say was in the gospel. It's the story of what he did. What would Jesus do? You remember those bracelets? How are you going to do what Jesus did if you don't know what he did? What would Jesus do? I don't know. Well, you better find out what he did in order to do what he would do. So look at this text. First of all, he reads the scroll the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I, I think it's a beautiful thing that this morning, when we prayed for the sick in the first service, but it was nothing like in this service, very different. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing that really the gospel right here, this is what Jesus went around preaching all the time, to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. This is exactly what's happening today, right now, Amen. right here, Amen. today. This is what the church should do. The church should set the captives free. That's what, that's what the ecclesia should do. That's what we're supposed to do. 
We're supposed to share Jesus and set, set the captive free, bring good news to the poor, opening of prison doors, the recovery of sight for the blind. The what? Recovery of sight for the blind. The what? Recovery of And there's a lot of religious people that don't know who Jesus is, so. His character gives us a glimpse of who he is, and when we see who he is, understand that he wants to make you like him. So the first thing I have, and I have 12 of them, I was going to list 100, but I thought I'd lose you on the first five. So we just go 12. You could probably come up with more, but we're going to quickly move through this to give you just a, a snapshot from the Gospels of who this Jesus really was. What did he do? Well, the first one is, and if you're taking notes, go ahead, write it down. I didn't give them to you on purpose. That way I don't have to stick to them. But the first one is, he loved people. He loved people. He spent himself on people. He sat with people. He ate with people, with publicans and sinners. He loved people. He exhausted himself on behalf of people. Do you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to love people. He said, I don't love people. It's because you need healing. You're fractured. Many years ago, now I still do this, the end of the service undoubtedly, I will head out this side door and I will go to the front to uh, shake hands with all those that are relatively new and try to run away. No, I'm just partially kidding. But, you know, I don't know if you've gone to a church, if it's your first time or second time or third time, you don't really know anybody, so it's a little bit like, ah, oh, you know, hi. And I've, anybody else felt that way besides me? Maybe it's just me. So I understand. So when I just try to shake hands with people, and, and uh, I don't usually get that other door. I usually get this one, but sometimes I flip back and forth. And so why would I do that? I remember my son asked me, Dad, why do you go out there and stand there. He was young. And I said, because I'm trying to be like Jesus. I had someone that was close to me who uh, is aware of church growth principles and different things. And they said, you know, there's going to come a time when you're not going to be able to stand and say hi to all the people. I said, that time ain't ever coming for me. He said, why not? Because that's not, that's not me. They said, well, you, you, just should, you, know, you should just disappear and go into the back. I will tell you there's times when I'm preaching and flowing in the gifts that I need to just like go sit down somewhere because God's still showing me things and I just need to, I need to do that. And I do that sometimes. But most of the time, I'm out front shaking hands, greeting people. And if I haven't, if I haven't met you, if my wife and I haven't met you, we want to. We want to hear your story. And I, my schedule is filled with trying to connect people. Why would I do that? Because Jesus did it. Because Jesus did it, and I want to love people. I want to be like Jesus. Raise your hand if you want to love people. See, the rest of you, be healed. He said, well, it's not my culture. Okay. He said, my, my, my family's not like that. It's, 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 that's, not how, that's not my personality. I understand we all have personalities. I understand you have culture. You know, really, you're a Christian before you're a United States citizen. You know that. that, that that's really the way to look at that. You are a Christian, if you are a Christian, and if you're not, we'll remedy that by the end of the service. But you're a Christian when you become a believer and you receive him. That is your first priority is to God. After that, it's, your, it's, it's not to your culture. I said, it's not to your culture. I said, it's not to your culture. It's, it's to being like Christ. And so maybe your culture's not like that. Maybe you didn't grow up that way. Change. I don't want to. Well, you know, I've found the more you spend time with Jesus, the more you'll be like him. And you might be a mean cuss today, 
but you can spend time with Jesus and change. Come on, somebody say, you know that's right. Go ahead, say, you know that's right. That's right. He was appreciative. This is fascinating to me. He didn't have to be, except for the fact that's the way the Lord is. He was gracious and kind. He was appreciative. He, 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 told, he commended the Canaanite woman for her faith. He expressed gratitude to, the, to the, the Roman centurion. He bragged about John the Baptist. You know, we need to be appreciative. I said we need to be appreciative. Why? Because that's what Jesus, that's the way, that's the way God is. He was humorous. He was what? He was humorous. You know, God's got a sense of humor. You know, James and John, the sons of the, uh, the, the sons of thunder. When he called them the sons of thunder, I think he was messing with them. He says, you know, go and pick a, a speck out of your brother's eye when you have a, a, a log in your own. That's hysterical. Now, the picture is you have a tree coming out of your eye and you're going to go and help. You're going to go and help them as the tree comes and decapitates them because you have issues. First, get the log out of your eye. It's, it's funny. You strain a gnat and swallow a camel. That's, listen, that's first century humor. I'm just telling you. You say, I need to be humorous. For God's sake, you ought to have fun. You ought to enjoy your walk with the Lord. Listen, if you're not enjoying your walk with Jesus, if you don't have joy in your walk with the Lord, something's desperately wrong and you have a disease in your walk with the Lord because it's the joy of the Lord. You say, well, I don't feel like getting happy. It's because you're angry. And maybe you have a reason to be angry, but understand that Jesus was crucified for that thing that made you angry too. Understand you need to change. Some of you look like you're baptized in lemon juice. You need to change. I smile because I'm happy. It's okay. Go ahead, smile. Smile at your neighbor. Go ahead. It won't kill you. Humor, joy. I'm going to say that again. If you don't have joy in your walk with the Lord, now I understand there's weeping endures for a night. I'm not saying that there's not moments of deep anguish and pain, though there absolutely is. But in the end, you come out the other side and there's joy. At the end, you come out the other side, there's victory. And I don't know what pit or difficulty you've fallen in, but God is deeper still and he'll bring you through. And it might not, the shouting might not happen today, but you might as well shout ahead of time because it's going to happen. That's faith. Confident assurance of what you cannot see. God didn't save you to let you drown. God, God didn't redeem you so that you could then end up with a miserable wretch baptized in lemon juice, wondering where the love of God is. You need to get your eyes fixed on him who's the author and the, per I'm preaching better than you're amen. And the author and the perfecter, the finisher of the good work that he started on the inside of you. You might as well shout now because let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He'll redeem, he's redeemed you. He'll heal you. He said, well, I'm not healed yet. And I came to 15 services. I still ain't healed. Well, Maybe it's because your lower lip's hanging so low you can suck marbles out of a gopher hill. Did you catch that? Maybe your attitude. Maybe he's trying to adjust your attitude. Maybe I've had, I've had people say, well, if he doesn't heal me, I'm not going to serve him. Good luck with that. Let me, let me, know, let me know how that goes. That's not going to go good. He's either Lord of all or he's not the Lord at all. And you have to have joy. And if you don't have joy, it could be that you're yoked with religion. Come on. 
Religion will not release joy in your life. Religion and tradition are the two twin sisters from hell, and they will not help you. Raise your hands to heaven and say, Woo! All right. He was thoughtful, Jairus' daughter. Listen to this. Jairus' daughter. You all know that story. Jairus comes, and he's on the way to Jairus' house. Jairus loses his job, I'm pretty sure, the following day. He, was, he, was, uh, he, he worked at the, at the temple there. And so, you know, he goes to ask Jesus, who they weren't exactly fans of, to help them. Because there comes a time when your religion doesn't bring the miracle, and you're like, I just really need the one that's going to do it then. He goes to get Jesus. I'm pretty sure he got fired the following day. But how many of you know it doesn't matter if you really get your miracle and you go, how many of you know that? So he comes to get Jesus, but the woman with the issue of blood, how irritating. What do you mean? He's on the way to Jairus' house, and she, she interrupts his miracle. And, and she gets her miracle, and then you know, he eventually gets his. But, I mean, it had to be quite a thing to overcome. It, you can't waste any time. Jesus, my daughter, my daughter. I don't know if your kids ever got sick or hurt or you really need a miracle. You don't really care what it looks like. You don't really care whether you feel it looks cute or happy or smiley. You're going to get yours. You're going to get your miracle. They fight for it. Canaanite woman called a dog. Said, yes, that's right. Call me a dog. Call me whatever you want. Can you heal her now? So Jairus raises her from the dead. What does Jesus say? He's very thoughtful. What does he say? Give her something to eat. I love that. Give her something to eat. He's so thoughtful to, for you, to you, to me, to us. He's so gracious and kind. He's fair. He would rebuke his disciples, but he also encouraged them. He was constant in prayer, consistently in prayer. You know, one of the reasons we're having such a great move of the Spirit of God, and I know it's maybe just ankle deep, and I'm sure God's moving in other places also, but I, I've had guests come here, and they say this, I have never preached in an environment like that. Your church is amazing. I'm so, well, it, you know, it's really not my church, God's church, but I can tell you why that is. You want to know why it is? Because people pray here. And they come seven days a week and they come here and they pray and they've been doing it for over 20 years. It doesn't just, it, 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 there, there's a labor to enter into his rest and prayer is a big deal. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. He was prudent. He fed the 5,000, but then he picked up the fragments. He was a good steward. He was humble. He was gentle. He had compassion. These are the things that he has. These are the things that we need to have. Keys, please. He had compassion. This particular text has moved me for years. Found in the book of Luke. And this widow is coming out of the city of Nain. And she, obviously, she's a widow, so her husband's dead. She's with a funeral procession, and her only son is dead. And into the cross section, as they come out of the gate, is the crowd of Jesus, the Jesus crowd. They're filled with joy. There's laughing, I'm sure. There's, they're just, woo! Look what the Lord has. And they're just worshiping. And then they come into the death crowd. And Jesus sees the woman, and it says he had compassion on her. You know, we need to have more compassion if compassion and sympathy are two different things. Sympathy feels bad. 
for people, compassion does something about it. Jesus was moved with compassion. I love how he controlled his anger. This was, this is a good one. What do you mean? He didn't just smoke everybody when they disobeyed. You know, when he's at the, when he's at the, he's at the, at the temple and they're, they're selling, they're selling doves and ripping people off of the money changers. Everything. He got angry. He, he made a whip preemptive attack. He made a whip and then he went to the temple. Come on. That's my Jesus. How many of you know, Jesus makes a whip, does stuff, flips over tables. God does get angry, but he didn't smoke everybody. You know what I mean by that? That's it. That. There. Aren't you glad? Raise your hand if you're glad he didn't just. Yeah, some of you should be crispy critters, but he had mercy. He had mercy, controlled his anger. He was courageous at the temptation. When he cleansed the temple, he was courageous. We need to be courageous. He was courageous when he went to the cross. He didn't fall victim to pity. I had a, I had a moment to have pity this week on myself. Self-pity. You know what that is? You start feeling, just working so hard. I need some sleep. Oh, stop. He didn't cave into that. And he didn't, he didn't yield to lust for power or fame. He didn't. You know, one of the things he did have compassion, being thoughtful and in the garden, he's betrayed by a kiss from Judas. They're taking him captive and Peter, his chief apostle takes a sword and tries to take off the head of Malchus, the high priest's attendant. He said, no, he didn't. He took off his ear. Yeah, but here's how it was, my brother Eric. If you're Malchus and, uh, and I'm Peter, I, br I'm, I didn't take my sword on him. Let me, let me get your ear. Do you, think, do you think he actually did that? Here, wait, let me cut your ear off. Uh, no, it was all... Right? And so then he, I think he went like this. And just took his ear off. That's what I think happened. Because it wasn't some cute little pocket knife where I'm just going to remove your ear for a second. No, it was all. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Jesus is being arrested. The sin of the world has begun to be placed on him. And I know that because the blood has been shed in prayer. The blood of Jesus, his sinless blood, has already begun to be shed in intercession. It's a powerful thing. And what, is, what does he do? When Malchus has now lost his ear, he's like, ah, oh, Peter, ah, oh. hey, sorry about that. There you go. Thanks. Okay, let's go. He didn't have to do that. He knew that Malchus was going to have to live without an ear the rest of his life. Come on, that's nice. How many of you are grateful that God cares about you? If he cared about Malchus's ear or a sparrow that falls in the forest, don't you think he cares about you? You know what we need to do? We need to care about people. Oh my. Father, thank you. He's God. In the closing moments of the service, we're going to take communion. Would you please turn to the book of John? And chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 50 something, 52, at this Jesus, uh, the Jews exclaimed, 
Now we know that you're demon-possessed. I mean, they're talking to Jesus. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Verse 53, are you all there? Are you all there? Say amen. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. It's good preaching. Jesus is my favorite preacher. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And they say in verse 57, you're not yet 50 years old. You've seen Abraham and look what he says in verse 58. The cults will try to destroy this. They've changed it in the, in the New World Translation for Jehovah's Witnesses. Sorry, sorry to offend you. They've changed it in different versions. It's cults that change this. This is a, a scripture that just burns everything to the ground. He says, before Abraham was, I am. He is quoting the name of God from Exodus chapter three at the burning bush where Moses says, who should I say sent me? And he says, I am. Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. Come on, you have to have a clear picture of who Jesus is. Jesus is God, and that's a profound thing. And anyone that would say that he's not is heresy and actually a cult. Get a clear picture of Jesus. Get a clear vision of who Jesus is. You know why? Because the world longs to see real Christianity. And I believe he's raised you up. I believe he's raised me up. I believe he's called us to be like that. Compassionate and kind and loving and long-suffering. And sometimes we get angry because sometimes things are worthy of getting angry over. But in our anger, we don't sin. Don't crispy everybody. Did you get something from the Lord? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.